We're thrilled to announce that we now have seven powerful devotionals available on YouVersion's Bible app. For those not in the know, YouVersion is the top Bible app in the world, and we're honored to be on this incredible platform. Our devotionals dive deep into the pillars that define the lion within us, health, wealth, and self. So whether you're seeking spiritual growth, financial wisdom, or personal development, these devotionals are tailor-made for you. So ready to embark on this transformative journey and unleash the lion within you? Head over to thelionwithin.us slash uversion to access our devotions on the uversion app. Join thousands of like-minded individuals and dive into the word with us. That's thelionwithin.us slash uversion. That's Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And let's grow together and become the leaders God intends us to be. Welcome to The Lion Within Us, a podcast serving Christian men who are hungry to be the leaders God intends you to be. I'm your host, Chris Granger. Let's jump in. All right, guys, it's me time. I'm ready to get into it. But before we go too far, let's get right into our scripture, okay? So the scripture this week is out of the book of Psalm, verse chapter 34, rather, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Guys, you may be walking through a tough time right now. And if you are, I just want to say, sorry, I really am sorry. But I can tell you one thing. You can find hope. You can find uh, assurance when you put that hope in the right place. And that's in Jesus. And we're going to have a powerful story today, guys. We have we brought in Mike Norega. He's a spokesperson, author, and a public speaker. And he shares a powerful story, guys. This just hits. This hits hard, okay? Because he, he lost his grandmother. At the who was part of the Surfside condo collapse back in 2021. I know a lot of you guys are familiar with this, right? Just it happened down in Miami, Florida, where the north side of that building completely was was destroyed in the blink of an eye. While these people were sleeping in the middle of the night, 98 people lost their life. Incredible tragedy here. And and what he's doing is he found himself as uh, like the, the voice. For those people in those moments, he was a spokesperson for the family and the community, talked through the struggles. He talks through his unwavering faith. He shares a story about his grandmother, guys. What she was holding on to when they found her, that's just going to blow you away. It's going to blow you away. So, I mean, Mike is just an incredible guy. He's got a, a, a book out, Uncollapsible Soul, guys. Well, he'll, he'll talk about that, uh, where he just shares through wisdoms, stories. Lots of, of, of dark areas, too, that he was able to unpack, not to try to bring people down, but to try to build them up and to help others remember there's purpose in our pain. So I'm hoping you're going to enjoy this conversation. I thoroughly did, guys. It's a little bit different than what you're used to on the line with Dennis. But it, again, this is here to serve you. So no matter what season of life you're going through right now, if you're in that trial, I'm hoping you're going to find some, some encouragement through a conversation like this. To, send, to understand where our true source of hope comes from. All right, guys, enjoy this conversation with Mike Norega. All right, so Mike, welcome to The Lion with Dennis. How are you doing today? Doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Uh, it's an honor to have you here, and I always like to, to get started, man. Just give us a fun fact about you. What's something that not many people know about Mike? Uh 
I come from a Spanish background. My dad was actually born in Cuba. Uh, my last name is Noriega, and people are always shocked that I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. So we got to take some classes, Mike. What's going on now? <laughs> <laughs> my dad has never spoken at home growing up, and so uh, I just never heard it. It's, it's kind of funny. The only phrases and words that I know are from growing up with my grandmother. Uh, she had a very thick Spanish accent. Whenever I'd get in trouble, she'd yell at me in Spanish. So <laughs> I have these hilarious phrases that for like half of my life, I didn't know what they meant, but I had them memorized back and forth. So it's pretty funny. Oh, man. Well, I mean, that's a Kind of like it's unfortunate, I guess, lead into what we're going to talk about today. You, you mentioned your grandmother. Do you have a, a powerful story around, you know, the Surfside condo collapse there? And I just wanted to give you an opportunity, just get us started, you know, around your story, your testimony and, and what you were, were hoping to share with others. Yeah. So just to catch everybody up really quick, uh, on June 24th, uh, 2021 at 122 a.m., my grandmother's building, which was called Champlain Tower South, it suffered uh, a catastrophic failure. It was the uh, third largest structural failure in U.S. history. And essentially what happened is uh, 55 apartment units out of the 136 just crumbled as if it was a planned demolition in the middle of the night. There was 101 people that went down in the collapse and 98 of them died. There was actually three that were pulled out of the rubble alive. And when we found out, when my father got that call, uh, my father's a, a local police chief. He worked with the Miami Beach Police Department for almost 30 years before retiring as the chief of police. But he's still a uh, police chief at a smaller department not too far from where the collapse happened in Surfside, Florida. And when my dad got that call, um, it, it was absolutely surreal because um, it was a woman that was in the tower of the part of the building that did not collapse that called my father in frantic hysterics, just trying to say that my grandmother's building was gone. And, you know, my father immediately left. My mother called me, you know, it was one of those middle of the night phone calls that you never think that you're going to get and said, hey, uh, you know, your father just got this call. And your brother, um, my brother's also a first responder, your brother's on his way to pick me up. And then we're going to pick you up and we're going to go to your grandmother's building. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 1.30 in the morning. You know, so yeah. I'm like, yeah, let me, what happened in the building? What? That, that doesn't make sense. So I called the Surfside Police Department and said, hey, I just got this call. You know, should I go down there in the middle of the night? And I'll never forget the police officer's response that I spoke to. They said, yeah, you should get down here right away. And that just struck the fear of God in me. And when I walked up to the condo, um, my grandmother's building was on the street that divided Miami Beach from Surfside. And so we parked on the Miami Beach side. And when we walked up towards Surfside, uh, the, the part of the building that did not collapse you could very clearly see there was no smoke. You did not see any rubble. It wasn't until we kept walking to get to the north end of the building to see that the entire building was just gone. 
and I could see my grandmother's balcony. Um, you know, we spent, my grandmother lived there for 20 years and we had endless long conversations, um, and, and meals and, uh, just many memories on that balcony. And I knew it was her balcony because I recognized her furniture. I came to find out later that the first six floors of her building were in the parking garage beneath the top six floors were really what you, the only thing you could see in all that rubble. And so that's why her build, I'm not her building, her um, balcony was the first thing that I saw because it was right there at the top. And uh, yeah, as soon as I got there and saw that, I just fell to my knees and I didn't know what to do. It took me an hour just to accept that this was reality. Um, right. You ever have a dream so vivid, so real that when you wake up, you have to convince yourself and remind yourself that was just a dream because the feelings are, are still so real, even though what you dreamt was not real. Right. right. So you have to let those feelings wear off. And it was so, it was so intense, so overwhelming, so shocking that it took me an hour to realize this was not a bad dream that I was going to wake up from, that this was not a movie set that I was on, that that was my grandmother's building and that she was somewhere underneath that rubble. And I say all that to say that there are situations in life in which no person, no man can save you, that only God and God alone can save you. And through that whole process, uh, right across the street, there became what was known as the Wall of Hope. And it was a one block long fence uh, around a tennis court. And basically, there was pictures and flowers. It became a massive memorial wall. But in the middle of that memorial wall was Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and rescues those that are crushed in spirit. In that moment, that or during that time, during that week, until they found my grandmother, that verse, it really didn't bring me much comfort. It yeah. wasn't until about six months later that that verse kept reappearing in my life, that that verse started to take on new meaning. Because the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, but he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. So if he wants to rescue you from one and be near to you in the other. Well, that must mean that those two things are different. And what I've learned through this, this whole process of this entirely new season of my life is that a broken heart is something that we as human beings cannot avoid. That grief is a part of the process of life. That not even Jesus was able to escape sorrow. And yet, even though pain is one of the hardest things to get through, and a broken heart is, is, is one of the worst feelings in the world. A crushed spirit is entirely different. A crushed spirit is losing your faith, your hope, and your purpose. It's yeah. like a bird without wings or perhaps a well without water. It's just void of meaning. It's void of purpose. And so through this whole process, the Lord has put on my heart, my message is, how can you endure seasons of life? That'll break your heart without them crushing your spirit. Mm. 
That's a powerful message there. And I'm so glad you brought that verse up because that's going that's our, uh, our our spiritual kickoff this week, guys. So go back and listen to that one. But it's when I look at that verse too, Mike, I drew straight to the words close and, and, and says, I mean, you, you had a different version than what, what I'm studying, but man, he's there and he is going to save us. He can rescue us. I'm just take us to, you know, you're there. It's one o'clock in the morning. You're on site. You're, you're not believing what you're seeing. I mean, what were the next steps? Because you ended up being a big voice and an advocate for so many people through this uh, to, to help them and encourage them just to the, the, this loss. So where were the next steps here? I'm going to share something that I have uh, I have not shared very much publicly. Um, okay. It's it's very much so the plot twist of, of my book, if you will. Okay. Um, many years ago. Uh, in 2013, to be exact, so 10 years ago, uh, I went through the worst season of my life emotionally. I went through the, mo- the loneliest, most depressing time of my life because I went through a divorce and I had trusted God to save my marriage. Yeah. And when he didn't, uh, it not only broke my heart, it crushed my spirit. Okay. Because what I learned is through that season of my life was that my faith was not attached to Jesus. I would have told you at the time that it was, but when my faith was tested, I learned that my faith could not be trusted because my faith at the end of the day was attached to an outcome. And when I didn't get the outcome, it crushed my spirit because it became now about me. God, how can I trust you? I thought you would save my marriage. I thought you were going to save this. I thought you were going to be there for me. And I allowed my pain to become a source of pride where I wanted to do things my way because I had the wrong theology. My theology is if I'm obedient or at the time was if I'm obedient to you, God, all things that happen to me should be good. And I had a wrong interpretation of Romans eight twenty eight because Romans eight twenty eight says the Lord works all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to their purpose. Right uh, to his purpose. So the truth is, is that if it's a good situation, God's going to work it for your good. And if it's a bad situation, God's going to work it for your good. That's right. And that the reason I bring up that season of divorce is at the time that, that still, even in comparison to Surfside, is still the hardest thing I have ever gone through emotionally. And what I learned through that process is is not to attach my faith to outcomes. Um, And now what I called a curse in one season, I now call a blessing in another season. Why? Because my divorce season was preparation for Surfside. So that when I faced that situation, my faith was no longer attached to outcomes. It was really attached to Jesus. Right. And I'll never forget that I was on my knees. I don't. I really can't give you a timeline. I might have been on my knees for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. I really don't know. But I just fell to my knees from the weight of the pressure that my heart was feeling, just staring out at it. And I went and, and got up and realized, oh, my gosh, my father's been here before we even got here. And I went to, to him and... One thing about my father is that he is a, a very uh, stoic, strong leader that doesn't show a lot of 
emotion. Uh, I've seen my father cry a couple times in my life, but never publicly. My father was weeping like a child with reckless abandon. I mean, that, that broke me because that, you know, that, that was his mother. Yeah. You know, that was his last remaining parent underneath there. That was his last remaining relative actually underneath there because his sister had been killed in a car accident years prior. He had already lost his dad. So my, so my dad was like melted ice cream. And I just remember from all of that in that, in that first couple hours, I just had to get away. And I walked to the building right next door and right at the entrance way, I put in my AirPods and I sat down in, in a corner and I felt like I was in hell. So I tried to bring some heaven down to earth and I started playing three worship songs on loop, but one of them very specifically was written by my church's worship team, Vu, uh, Vu Worship by Vu Church down here in Miami. And the name of the song was called Shelter In. And uh, basically the song is just a bunch of promises that are pulled out of Psalm 91 about how God is our refuge and, and our strength. And that in times of trouble, that a thousand may fall to my left and 10,000 more to my right. But God is the one that is our ultimate for, uh, uh, refuge and strength and the one that rescues us. And so we need not worry. And I was just letting this song just wash God's promises over me. And as I was listening to that song and I was praying and as I was weeping and crying out to God, it gave me such a picture of what my, you know, the name of the song is shelter in and the very thing that my grandmother trusted to shelter her in is probably at that time, I thought the very thing that killed her, and it's such a picture of what it looks like when you put your faith in something in this world that it's eventually going to collapse. None of it is going to last. And that God is the only thing that truly lasts for eternity, that truly will not let us down, that truly will not collapse, that will truly be our refuge and our strength. And I'll never forget in that moment as I was listening to that song, it was like the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart, son. If your grandmother is alive underneath that rubble, it is my presence that is sustaining her. And I can do that miracle. And I will, I, I, if I do that, I, I'll get the story. I'll get the glory for that story. But if your grandmother's body is underneath that rubble, but her soul is not her, she is in my presence in heaven. So either way, whether your grandmother is alive or not, she is still safe in the refuge of my presence. Do you trust me with either outcome? And wow. that, that was the comfort that I needed it, because it gave me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And right. my father came to me not too long after that and said, Hey, look, uh, I realized that the media is going to talk about this, whether we want them to or not. And it's not their story to tell. It's our story to tell. And your grandmother, her life overflowed with the love of God. And, you know, people need to know not about what happened here, but they need to know about how she lived. People need to be touched by her life. So would you do me the honor of, would you do me the honor of, you know, representing um, 
your grandmother and representing our family and representing my police department. And I just became the official spokesman for my family. And so um, I just started to try to give people hope through heartbreak because hope is exactly what we were holding on to. Hope that she was alive and also the hope uh, and the assurance that if she wasn't alive, that she was in the presence of God in heaven. And so that became uh, became our story. Wow, what a powerful story, Mike. So, guys, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying the weekly spiritual kickoff? If so, we are now offering a way to participate in our live daily spiritual kickoffs that happen Monday through Friday in our community. This is your chance to chat with me directly and other members of our community to dive into scripture and to leave with practical ways to simplify and apply God's word to your daily walk. And here's the best part. You get all of this for just $5 a month. So for what most people pay for a breakfast meal, you can join us on this journey of spiritual growth and leadership, which will always lead you full. Our community is dedicated to supporting each other and pushing forward in our faith. Come join me in the lion's den and become the leader God intends you to be. Sign up now at thelionwithin.us and let's start this journey together. Remember, it's only $5 a month for this amazing opportunity. So visit thelionwithin.us so you don't miss out. So, Mike, I, I got to know, man, so the, the hope element you're talking about, by the way, which you said, I don't want to leave that here, that faith is not circumstantial. That's so powerful, guys. I hope that you listeners are, you get that because so many times we chase our circumstances and we, we, we chase happiness. And happiness is so much tied to our circumstances. And when circumstances change, like Mike's talking about here, guys, what you, that's, you know, that's just going to flee away. Where you can have faith and you can have hope, you can have joy something so much greater. So just talk to us about that hope. I mean, what was the timeline of, you know, you, you, you assume the worst, but you always have that glimmer of hope, right? Of that somehow she survived. So what was, what did that look like? And how did you guys manage that during the, the rescue attempts? That's a great question because my perspective was so different than, than the other families. Okay. Um, I was down there uh, at ground zero with the first responders, uh, you know, with my dad and just the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of first responders really from around the world. And so I was watching them dig through the rubble. I was watching them literally risk their life. I mean, it was a partial right. collapse. So right. the, the building is still, still there. standing. Yeah. It, I mean, there was still debris falling from that building. There was still furniture. There was still you know, um, AC units that were dangling off the side. Right. And, um, my grandmother was the 12th person found on day number six. And, you know, the reason I wrote this book, it took me a while to process my own pain. But what I learned is that my own pain was way bigger than me, that your pain is not just about you, that God wants to draw purpose out of your pain. And I'm sharing this, I'm I'm transitioning back to your question about hope um, the long way, because what has given me so much hope is after we buried my grandmother and I went through my own healing process about nine months after that, 
that's when I was added to a WhatsApp chat with the other families that lost somebody in the collapse. And because they were all at the family reunification center while I was there with the first responders with my father. So I had no connection with them. And I had recently at that point in my storyline, I had recently decided I was going to write a book about my grandmother's legacy because I love that your podcast is named um, the lion within because one of my favorite books ever written is by Mark Batterson chase the lion. And he has an incredible quote in that book that says that an inheritance is what you leave behind for someone, but a legacy is what you leave behind in someone. And my grandmother had left so much love in me and our family. And the reason why wasn't because she was such a loving person. It's because her life was built on the foundation of Jesus, that her love was from an overflow of God's love. How can how can your well of love run dry when it comes from the source of an endless supply? Yeah. And I just felt like that my everybody knew how she died, but how did she live? That's what's going to make an impact. That's, That's right. what her legacy is. But as I started meeting these other families, I realized how much bigger that it was than my own family's pain and my own pain. And um, I started to build relationships with these people. And, and it really, it changed my life. I mean, uh, I'll tell you right now, my, my book, on, which is right here, Uncollapsible Soul. Yeah. It's a very dark book because uh, I don't sugarcoat or really try to uh, finesse what happened. I tell it exactly as it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll just share one of the many stories uh, that I've written about, uh, as I mentioned before, there's three survivors that survived the collapse. Right. And <clears throat> there's a, at the time there was a 15 year old boy named Jonah Handler that was sitting on his bed talking to his mom. And as the collapse happened, uh, the ground beneath their feet just crumbled and they fell many, many stories down. Jonah and his mom, Stacy Fang both survived the fall. And there was this guy that was walking his dog across the street that just happened to be there as the collapse happened. And he walked up and heard Jonah crying for help. And uh, as the first responders arrived, there's very dramatic footage that went viral around the world of Jonah being saved and pulled out alive. Jonah's mom, Stacy, however, was found alive, um, but she was pinned down by the rubble and uh the first responders had really no choice but to amputate her leg on the spot to free her i want you to think about that for a second they didn't have time to prep her for surgery yeah they didn't have time to numb her probably i mean she was she was bleeding out and they had to amputate her leg and you know, she ended up bleeding out and, and dying before she got to the hospital. Oh, my gracious. You know, Jonah went to the hospital, had to go through surgeries. And when he woke up, his dad, Neil, you know, had to look his little boy in the eyes and let him know mommy didn't make it. And that's just one. 
or technically two. That's just two stories out of 98 in the book. But I've grown a relationship with Neil and Jonah. And what Neil and I have in common is that we have both gone through the healing process, um, which I mention uh, throughout my book. I refer to them as, as the five requisites to restoration. These are the five steps of healing that I took for my own restoration. I know Neil did the same exact thing. And uh, the last step is, is that you have to, you, you have to draw purpose from your pain, you know, because ultimately your healing is not just about your healing. Your healing is about helping others to find healing. Right. And <clears throat> Neil, um, you know, when, when Jonah first got out of the hospital and, and, and all that, um, everybody that was, everybody that survived the collapse, including in the building that did not go down, describes the sound of it the same exact way that it was this loud, booming thunder. And so Jonah, when he would just be walking in the street, not even in the building, and w- if, when he would hear the sound of thunder, Neil describes it as it's the most powerful, f- it's, it's the most powerless feeling in the world. When you see your child have an anxiety attack of fear because it reminds them of the PTSD that they suffered that day. So Neil started a foundation called the Phoenix Life Project. And what it does is it's actually a, a, a healing program that they sponsor for mental health. Right. The, the, the program run, runs about $5,000 a person that they pay so that each person can go through through healing because it was so effective for his son. So I say all that to say that going back to your question, hope is not is not circumstantial, right? I'll, I'll venture to say this: hope is a person that the God that we worship, that He promises that He's going to work all things for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So it comes down to one question: Do you believe that God is going to work it? for your good because we're called to walk by faith. We not be able to, we may not be able to see how God is going to use it for our good, but because we may not see that doesn't mean that God is not still good. Right. We're so tempted. You know, we walk by faith, not by sight. What that tells me is that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight that if you can see it, you don't need faith for it. And it also tells me that in, in First John, it says that um, that uh, perfect love casts out all fear, that there's no fear in perfect love. So that means that the opposite of love, it's, it's not hate. The opposite of love is actually fear. Because when yeah. you're in fear, you become so selfish. And selfishness is the opposite of love. Well, we humans, none of us, uh, can be perfect love because none of us are perfect, but perfect love casts out all fear. God is perfect love. And when his presence lives within our being, it casts out all of that fear. And so I think really, that's why I said earlier in this conversation, that there are situations in life in which no man can save you, that you can only call upon the name of God because he is who makes your soul uncollapsible which is what I named my book uncollapsible soul 
Man, that is so powerful, Mike. Guys, we're going to take a, a quick break. You'll be right back. Are you ready to unlock your true potential? Introducing 30 Days to Unleash the Lion Within, a revolutionary series that will transform you into the leader God intends you to be. In just 30 days, you embark on a journey of self-discovery and growth. This free resource offers a series of messages, each packed with proven methods to simplify and apply God's word to your life. Inside this series, you'll find practical strategies to unleash your leadership potential. You need to learn how to harness the power of God's wisdom and apply it to your everyday decisions. Discover how to lead with integrity, inspire others, and make a lasting impact. But this just isn't another series. It's a transformative experience that will help you find your purpose, ignite your passion, and unleash the lion within. So visit thelionwithin.us forward slash unleash to claim your free copy of this series. Don't wait any longer. Visit thelionwithin.us forward slash unleash and become the leader God intends you to be. Mike, I got to know that on the fear piece, I'm, I'm with you because I, I talk a lot about how, you know, that the opposite of hope is right is fear and opposite of faith is fear too, right? So, it, so I'm so glad that you went there. I'm curious though, as you went through and you were, you were the spokesperson, you were the, the front guy who's, who's giving all these updates. How did you find strength to do it, man? I mean, that's just, I can't imagine the turmoil. I mean, you just lost your grandmother. You see all this tragedy around you yet. You took that on as you, you wanted to honor others and to make sure the message was sent the right ways. But where did you find your source of strength in that? And, and what were some of the hardest parts of doing that? I'm sure there were no easy ones, but do you remember anything specifically you'd like to share during that? You know, I think that's the perspective that most people had, that that I was strong. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I was extremely weak. Um, for me, my perspective is faith is very easy to have when it's your only option. Mm. And that is why I think that sometimes, a lot of times, pain is God's megaphone to get our attention. Because when we're experiencing pain we realize how we are not in control. And again, <laughs> there are situations that in life that only there's only God can show up for you. Right. And so this is why um, people that will not normally go to church, people that would not normally be open to a conversation about God when it comes to time for a funeral, when it comes to loss, when it comes to pain, they'll be open to hearing at that time, because all the distractions, right, uh, all the counterfeits, all of that has been eliminated, and pain has a way of focusing you on what matters exclusively. So, for me, that's half my answer. The other half of my answer is uh, I was going through a, a different form of suffering than my family at that time. Uh, I had been. So a few days prior had been Father's Day weekend. Okay. And uh, I had uh, planned a trip uh, that when I planned it, I didn't realize 
that fall on Father's Day weekend. And so uh, I tried to reschedule the trip once I realized it was Father's Day weekend because everything inside of me was new. My father's alive. I didn't realize this is Father's Day weekend. I should be spending Father's Day with with, with him. And yeah. the group I was going with, you know, they didn't want to cancel it or reschedule it or whatever. And so I went with it. And that Sunday was the last time my whole family was together, mm-hmm. making memories and, and, and all of that. And I had an immense amount of regret. Truth be told, and I, I write about this, I didn't feel like I had earned the right to mourn. Mm-hmm. I felt like I messed up so bad that like I was angry at myself and I took all of that anger and that rage and that regret. And instead of unleashing it on my past, which is a very toxic thing to do, I unleashed it on my present in a healthy way, which was I didn't have a chance to honor my grandmother while she was alive. And this last time that my family was together, but I'm sure as hell going to do it now because right. She lived a life worthy of honor. And so that it just became my mission. It became a way for me to, you know, uh, my favorite uh, uh, hero of all time is Batman. The Dark Knight trilogy inspires me, uh, you know, like no other uh, movie films, because really at the core of the Batman story, his deepest pain is his parents being killed. And Everything about everything that he does is all about channeling that anger and that rage to bring purpose to the pain. Right. And that's essentially what I was trying to do. And what's so interesting is this ties in with your previous question about hope, because <clears throat> one thing that was very unique that happened that uh, the news ran viral with was that first night that we got there within the first couple hours. Um, the, the sheer velocity of the building collapsing, you know, that whole thing collapsed within seven seconds. So when you have 15 million pounds of concrete and metal just collapsing at that speed, it blew out the contents from within. So right, right there on the street of Collins Avenue, there were ties, shirts, letters, bills, pictures, but Due to the shock factor of when we got there, we weren't paying attention to the random debris that was in the street. So probably I would say around four in the morning, my dad stepped on something in the street and looked down and he had stepped on a birthday card. Uh, you know, when he picked it up, it, it revealed to be a birthday card. It looked like uh, it was like almost a layer of dust um, or a layer of ash uh, on the street. And really it was it was dust from the rubble. Right. So when he picked it up, he couldn't see her name initially, but it said Kima on it. And it was a birthday card that had been given, or I'm sorry, it said Hilda was my grandmother's name. Um, we just called her Kima. And when he picked up the birthday card and saw her name on it, it was it had butterflies on it. And it was a birthday card that had uh, been given to her by her prayer group at her church. So when we found that, it was like, okay, what else could be here? And we ended up finding two pictures uh, of of uh, my grandparents, and um, one of them had my father as a child in the picture. So 
uh, it was very beautiful because at that time, uh, I was talking on the news about how my grandmother lives for her faith, her family, and her friends in that exact order. When we found those mementos, I didn't know what they meant exactly. So I'm going to fast forward six days after the collapse. As I mentioned before, my grandmother was the 12th person found. We had spent another long, brutal summer day outside the entire day just watching the first responders work and just trying to hold on to hope. Yeah. And uh, we left on that sixth day. And the homicide detectives called my father and us to, asked us to meet back at the family reunification center. And we knew exactly what that meant because had they found my grandmother alive, well, that they would have been the hospital it would have been fire right. rescue calling us. So we knew we were like sheep going to the slaughter. And <clears throat> as we walked into this hotel suite within the grand beach hotel, they put us in this living room type setting and we braced ourselves and the homicide detectives addressed my father directly, but they let us know that uh, my grandmother didn't make it and that they had, they had found her body. And my whole family started to weep. I did not weep. I just didn't uh, because, again, I felt like I hadn't even earned the right to weep. I was still in a state of punishing myself. Yeah. And um, but a moment that started to change everything was after the detectives gave us a few moments to weep. Once we calmed down a little bit, they addressed my father again and said, we want you to know that when we found your mother, that we found this on her. And they handed my father a brown paper bag. And it became almost like this holy moment. My brother, who is in law enforcement, happened to have gloves, latex gloves, and he put them on. And just all the weeping turned into just a crazy amount of curiosity. My brother opened up the bag and it revealed six rosaries inside. Now, for me personally, I don't use rosaries to pray. There's not a, a personal significance for me. But that moment was extremely significant because my grandmother would use them to pray. Right. Which tells me that in my grandmother's final act of life that she fell asleep in prayer and woke up in heaven that she fell asleep talking to God and she woke up running into his arms and it completed everything that I was talking about on the news. Why? Because my grandmother, she lived for her faith, family and friends. So the birthday card symbolized her friendships. The two pictures we found symbolized family. And the rosaries we found symbolized her faith. Wow. And I'll never forget that moment because it, it hit me so hard. Like, guys, look how good God is. Yeah. Like, this is what we've been talking about. That this is God's way of saying it is finished. That yeah. her legacy is sealed. That she is safe in his arms. How good is God that logically speaking... We should have nothing of hers. It should be all crushed to dust within her building. The God in his goodness and his graciousness was able to gift us this. Right. And I'll never forget my father. We were standing in a circle. He grabbed our hands 
And uh, he just started talking. He said, guys, I don't understand why this happened. This shouldn't have happened. I hope it never happens again. I just know I can't get through this without God's help. And he started to pray. Sorry. He's good, man. <laughs> he started to pray. Father, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you, the Son. Holy Spirit, I believe in you and I ask you into my heart because I don't know how I'm going to get through this without you. So I ask you to come into me right now and be with us through this time. My grandmother's death was the very thing that saved my father's soul. All vibrations. So he wasn't a believer until that moment. I don't think he was. I don't, I really don't think he was. I've been praying for my father for a long time. You know, my, my dad's sister was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver when she was 17 years old. Mm. And that's uh, very significant because my father became very bitter against God yeah. after that happened. And he uh, really uh, wanted nothing to do with God after that. And um, he suffered from a crushed spirit, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I think over time, God softened up his heart. But that response from him was so shocking because I expected this event, this tragedy. It's pushing further. Yeah, yeah that's what I expected. Yeah. Because, again, I, I lacked faith um, that God was going to use this even for his good. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's my story. I, I don't want to go too over on time, no, but um, if you have any other questions, I'm happy to, that, to continue. The, the, the piece with the bag, the, the brown pack, the brown paper bag, and, you know, you said when she closed her eyes on and here on earth and she, when she opened them, you know, we know she saw Jesus. That just, that resonated with me. I lost a daughter and I I tell everyone when she closed her eyes on wow. earth, the first, the first thing she saw when she opened them was, was the face of Jesus. And, but the fact that man, she lived her life for Christ, even to the point of death and how that, you know, they found that on her and how that has probably impacted you and your family. I'm sure those rosaries are, are so precious to you all now. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, just that memory. And, but, she was able to to keep doing his work even in that moment when, when she wasn't here. So I just think that's a, out of the whole story that, that gave me the most goosebumps just hearing what was in that bag and how, man, she walked, she, she truly walked it out. That that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, she, uh, she lived a life that was a reflection of God's love mm -hmm. and that's what we're all called to do. And so, um, maybe take me to the first, so the first night, I'm just curious, the sun comes up the first morning and you can actually, because I'm assuming there, there are lights and stuff around, but when the sun, when, when sun comes up and you're seeing that building, you're finally getting a full picture glimpse of what's going on, man, the emotions, the, the, the people, I'm sure there were a lot of families coming to the site, but when you were able to actually see it, in the daylight for that first time 
just just take us there. What, what, what were your thoughts? But where where were you? Yeah, so I I write about it in intimate detail in my book. Okay. Believe it or not, the scariest thing um, wasn't when the sunlight came up. It, it was so on 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 the north side of my grandmother's building, which is uh, the side of the building that collapsed. Right. Um, there was a hotel right next door, and that hotel had uh, a pool deck uh, on the first floor. And that pool deck was just a front row view, a panoramic view of the entire collapse. Right. And so um, I would say we walked onto that pool deck starting around, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours after we got there, around 4 a.m., 3.30 a.m. And I'll never forget that there was a... um, a fire alarm that was going off inside of the remaining building that just looked like a knife had cut it in half. And every five seconds or so the flash from that fire alarm would go off and that flash would be enough for you to see the skeletal remains inside the building and all the furniture hanging off. Um, and everything inside and every time that thing would go, would would strobe it just was a chilling reminder that this building was inhabited by people when this happened and that was so scary and um i'll also never forget that when we first got to that pool deck we never actually got into the rubble um because that was it was a very, it was extremely dangerous and it was closed off by the perimeter anyways but the closest we could get was to that that pool deck and my grandmother's you know balcony was you know maybe like 15 feet in front of us from there right and uh i'll never forget that because my grand i mean not my grand uh my my father started calling my grandmother's iphone for an hour just for an hour calling her non-stop not for her to answer, but that if we could hear the phone vibrating, if we could right. hear the phone ringing, that if the phone could survive, just maybe there was a glimmer of hope that she could survive. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was very haunting um, during the night. Wow. So such a powerful story. So, guys, we'll take our last break. We'll be right back. We have a resource that allows you to test how strong of a Christian leader you are. We designed a short quiz so you can see for yourself how prepared you are for the battle. Don't worry, it's multiple choice and it's a lot of fun. So to access this free resource, visit thelionwithin.us slash quiz. That's thelionwithin.us slash quiz and see if you are ready to unleash the lion within. So, so Mike, I mean, we're going to definitely share out where, where guys can get a copy of the book and things like that. But where ultimately the story is, is, is the one you, you said it earlier, there's purpose in our pain. And what do you want the listeners like that who are, who are you know, hearing this story right now that, that I'm sure they're just like me. They're just reeling for you and the emotions that, that you went through. 
what's the what's the end what's your end message that you want them to to take away from uh, you know this un, un, uncollapsible soul uh, story that you're putting out here? So the the ultimate purpose of the book is that you can go through seasons that will break your heart without them crushing your spirit, because a broken heart is inevitable, but a crushed spirit is optional. That a broken heart is meant to be a life season, whereas a crushed spirit can be a life sentence. And so what, what defines the difference is the meaning we give our pain. Right. You know, in, in, in Uncollapsible Soul, one of the things that I write about is that the result of pain is always passion, always, without exception. Now, the thing about passion that most people do not know is that passion is neutral. Passion is absolutely neutral because passion is the road that leads to a fork of two paths, resentment or restoration. Mm -hmm. So if you do not take the time to heal, which healing takes intentionality, it's like a wound. If you just leave that thing, you know, you slice your arm open and you need stitches and you don't. Um, go through the steps of healing the five requisites of requisite, the five requisites of restoration that I outline within my book. Well, then you're not going to heal physically and you wouldn't, you won't heal emotionally. And so when yeah. you don't heal, it leads to an infection. When you don't heal, you know, there's this false saying that, that goes that, you know, time heals all wounds. That's a lie. Time does not heal all wounds. Time infects all wounds. And the way that manifests in our emotions is bitterness, right? If you do not go through healing, you will become passionate towards resentment and that will manifest in your life in bitterness. And that is exactly what a crushed spirit is. Right. But if you become passionate about healing and you allow to yourself to walk by faith, not by sight, and allow God's promises to come true in your life, that he's going to work this for your good, that's going to lead to restoration. And when you become passionate about restoration, you're going to find purpose in your pain and become passionate about helping other people find healing. And so that's the purpose of the book. It's that you can have fear but fear cannot have you. And this book is a guide of how to go through a storm without the storm being in you. It sounds like you, you've experienced some personal healing, probably just through the process of writing this book. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but did you find that process of writing this down, collecting these stories, going out, reliving this so many times just through the process? I'm sure just editing the book, was that, was that helpful in your healing? It, it was, it, it was, uh, it was bittersweet yeah. because I got to write some things down and process some things that I didn't even realize. Like yeah. that whole thing about that. I didn't feel like I deserved to mourn that I hadn't earned the right to mourn. Right. I didn't realize that till I was writing this book that was on a subconscious level. And so, um, in in that sense, yes, it definitely did help in my healing. Another thing that helped in my healing was telling this story through many other perspectives of people that, quite honestly, um, 
I would say if, if you're going to compare pain, I mean, that suffered way more immensely than I did. Right. You know, I mean, I, I write about a friend of mine, Raquel Oliveira, that flew out the day before to Colorado and she lost her husband and her five-year-old son that night. She lost her whole family. Right. You know, I write about um, uh, De- uh, Angela and Devin Gonzalez that Angela and, and so Devin was a, uh, was 60 at the time and um, wanted to sleep with her parents that night because they had watched a scary movie. She didn't want to sleep alone. And so she slept in between her mom and dad. And as the building was collapsing, as the foundations were breaking, it woke up Angela out of a dead sleep and out of pure maternal instincts. She woke up and grabbed her daughter, yanked her out of bed and said, run. And as they're running, out of the bedroom, the ground beneath them disintegrates, and they fell six stories down. Angela landed. Her daughter landed on top of her and rolled down. And long story short, they both survived. Wow. Angela's husband, Devin's dad, Edgar, did not. And of all things, Angela does for a living. She's a trauma therapist. Can you imagine that? There are just so many. I just, you know, reliving this through so many different perspectives that are so heavy, just so heavy. Um, It gave me so much hope, but I also kind of, I also had to relive it through other people's pain. And so that part was very bittersweet, but it absolutely did help in the process of healing. Amen. Where where can people go to get a copy of the book? Where do you want to send them? We got one more part in line. I want to do at the end, but while we're on this, I want to make sure the guys are can go right there now. So where do you want to send these guys, Mike, to uh, connect with you and to get their copy? Absolutely. So everyone can go to MikeNoriega.com or UncollapsibleSoul.com. Now, uncollapsible is actually not a word in the English dictionary. Yeah. Uh, so it is spelled U N C O L L A P S A B L E, and so uncollapsiblesoul.com. You can also go to major realtor uh, uh, retailers, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, okay. uh, and whatnot. I'm also on social media. Um, uh, I'm on Instagram at the dot real dot Noriega, uh, and also uncollapsible soul. And you can also find me uh, on uh, on Facebook under uncollapsible soul as well and twitter at uncollapsible perfect perfect that noriega guys is n-o-r-i-e-g-a but we'll make sure we have that those links we'll try to get that in the show notes for you guys just click on over there and make sure you grab a copy of it of the book so mike before you go though man we'd like to have a little fun with our with our guests on the shows because a lot of times we get into some heavy topics like this and uh but at the end of the day you know, we want to have a little fun and and, and just enjoy, be, you know, celebrating you and the work that you're doing. So would you mind playing a, a lightning round with this before we wrap up today? Sure. All right. Yeah, this is just fun, easy questions. You've, you've, you've poured out so much to us. So I was going to kind of lighten things up a little bit here as as we wrap up. So what's a what's a hobby that you have, Mike? What do you enjoy doing for fun? Oh, I love playing pickleball and volleyball. Pickleball and volleyball. Okay. That's so you know, so you you like getting out and getting active. That's good, man. Good stuff. I do. I do. What's up? What's your favorite food? That's a hard question because 
uh, I love food, but man, I would have to say buffalo wings. I could live on <laughs> buffalo chicky tendies and buffalo wings for the rest of my life. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I think that'd have to be it. There you go, buddy. There you go. That's awesome. So uh, I'll, I've been asking this one lately. So what's a all time, maybe your all time favorite movie? Use, I don't know if you're a movie guy or not, but uh, any movies I'm jump a, out? Yeah. Oh, I'm a huge movie guy. That's also one of my hobbies. So I kind of mentioned it in this podcast. Uh, so it would be the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, yeah. So really any one of those movies. Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, let me put it to you this way. I have two tattoos on my body. So one of them is my fave. Right. The other one is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I got nice. my priorities. That's it. Well, you, I do ask sometimes guys if they could have a superhero, uh, you know, type of strength. What would it be? So uh, would you be that that Batman? That, that's who you're going to be uh, channeling? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually own uh, three custom made bat suits that are like straight from the movies. Nice, man. You taking this yeah. Batman thing serious. Okay. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. That's good. That's good. Well, let's keep going here. So look, one, this is a little bit more serious question. So when you think about God, you know, so many guys, they think about certain things when they think about God in general, what's your favorite thing that comes to mind when you think about him? Oh man, that's easy for me. Uh, that he is the God of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus, so the shortest verse in scripture is that Jesus wept, right? Yeah. And we often overlook that verse just because, oh, Jesus wept. Okay. This is God in the flesh that stepped out of heaven with full authority of heaven. Yep. In the context of that scripture, he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yep. He knew it. And he had said it twice up to the point of that scripture. So why was Jesus crying? It wasn't because his friend died. His right. friend, he, he was about to be raised from the dead. It was because his friend's hearts, Mary and Martha's hearts, were broken. Were and he was near to their broken heart. Yeah. That he was weeping out of empathy. Why? Because he felt their pain. Right. If there was ever a moment for Jesus to um, just blast them, it's like, guys, why are you crying? I just told you twice, I'm going to raise him from the dead. Do you not believe me? Is there no faith here? Jesus could have gone that route, but no, he is the God of empathy that he has felt everything that we feel. Yeah. Betrayal, abandonment, loneliness, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual torture. You name it. Jesus has been there first. Right. So because he is the God of empathy that we can trust him with anything and everything. And he doesn't just feel bad for us, but he's with us in the pain. Amen. Amen. Love that. Now let's flip 180 on you, Mike. So Satan, the evil one, he's out there. He's prowling around. What's your least favorite thing about him? Deception. Mm. It's it's his deceptive ways. Mm-hmm. For example, rat poison is, maybe the percentage is off, but it's like 98% real food and right. 2% poison. It's mostly food and a little bit of poison. And I really believe that's the way that Satan works is that he gives you a truth with a lie attached to it, which makes it a lie. That's what makes it deception because it appears as truth. And where Satan gets us, where we give him 
authority, he doesn't have authority. We hand it over to him. Right. Is that um, we make an agreement with a lie. But the great thing is, is that God's promises stand true. And all we have to do is replace that lie with God's promises. And I really believe that's one way that, um, I, I believe that's one reason that you can't break faith until you have a breakthrough because you're not having a breakthrough because there's a false belief somewhere. And that false, be- that false belief is somewhere from the enemy. Right. Right. So true, man. So true. Now let's, let's count as we wrap up here towards the end, what's a new habit, Mike, that you have maybe started recently or one that you want to, to get going. We always try to give our guys out there ideas on ways to improve their mind or their body and just habits seem to be something guys like to hear about. So what's something you'd like to share? Uh, you're gonna laugh. Uh, writing, <laughs> yeah. Being being an author. I mean, by trade, I have a, a business and financial services. I've made many goals and dreams lists and vision boards. I have a vision board behind me right there. Never yeah. once, never once has it been on there. Write a book because it's never been a goal of mine. Right. What I've learned is that you don't chase calling. Calling chases you, and mm-hmm. it's often hidden behind. Our fear. In other words, it's hidden behind something that we don't want to do. And so I've never wanted to write a book, but the moment I knew I was called to it, I did it. So this is a, an incredible, you know, new habit that uh, I've learned wasn't just for me. It wasn't to change my life, but it's to change other people's lives. Amen. Amen. And our last question, Mike, what's maybe what's a final takeaway or something that you really hope the listeners remember just from our time together today? that you might be going through a broken heart today. I mean, you, you, you shared Chris, how you lost your daughter. I mean, I can't even imagine if you're listening to this under the sound of my voice, you have two men on here that have gone through immense and intense tragedy. And the reason that we're both on this podcast is because what God has done in our life is so real that he has been near to our broken hearts mm-hmm. when we needed it most. And so I think my takeaway here is that you're not alone. That's one of the deceptive things that the enemy uses that, that nobody will understand you. Nobody can relate to you and that your circumstances are only unique to you. And that might be true, by the way. Um, you know, my circumstances, I feel like were very unique to me. You may not know anybody from the Surfside collapse, or you may not even heard of the Surfside collapse, but just because the circumstances are different does not mean that the feelings are not the same. Right. And so I just want you to know that if you surrender your pain to God, that you can find hope into confessing to God for forgiveness, but confessing to others for healing. Jesus did not do it alone. Jesus did it with 12 disciples. Jesus didn't do do it alone. Who are you to think that you're able to do it alone? We're both on this podcast because we want you to walk away from this, knowing that there's hope, knowing that you're not alone, that God is with you through the pain, that he loves you and he empathizes with you. 
And that there's a community that loves you and cares about you and wants to be there for you. Amen. Beautifully said, Mike. So, I mean, thank you so much for sharing your powerful story. Guys, be sure to go out and get a copy of the book. Check out the links in the show notes. We'll make sure you guys have direct copies. And by the way, that will be our featured book of the week, guys. So uh, come back to the to the line within dot us slash book and be able to get you a copy of it right there. But Mike, it's been an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for sharing your powerful story and nothing but blessings to you uh, as you launch this book and get it into the ears and to the eyes of, of people who need that hope. Hey, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege to be on here. God bless you, sir. Every man needs to have a bunch of it is written in their life. When the attacks come, you better be ready. To help you get started, I want to give you a free guide to get 10 scriptures that will have you ready to fight like a lion. Along with the guide, there are a series of messages designed to come alongside you during your mission of committing these verses to memory. So get started by visiting thelionwithin.us. That's thelionwithin.us and unlock your free guide to fight like a lion. So, fellas, I told you that was going to be a deep one. It was going to be a powerful one. That was not surface-level stuff. So, hopefully, you enjoyed that. Uh, if you did, if it resonated with you, I'd encourage you to send it to someone else because you never know who's who out there is hurting right now. And just by taking an act of, hey, I heard this this podcast today, and it inspired me. I just want you to know I care about you. A simple text like that, guys, you never know how it can, can really just change someone's day. Now, the question I want you to think about going as you leave this episode is how do you, how do you personally endure a broken heart without crushing your spirit? And it's so easy for us to feel like, guys, we can just get crushed. If we look around at the world, it's so easy just to get just bogged down and feel defeated. But I'm here to tell you that is lies from the pit of hell and that is from the evil one. You endure that broken heart and that you know, by putting your trust and hope in Jesus Christ. That is it. So I'm hopeful, hopefully, guys, this serves you, this gets, up, this gets you fired up, to get you uh, ready to get out there and share your personal testimony, your story with others, because that, guys, is, is how you are obedient to him and how you can serve others and help, just help them grow and know him. All right. So then, again, thanks, guys, for, for coming this today. We'll, hopefully you come back on Friday for our fun Friday episode. We'll have some great tips. We'll have some bad jokes. Obviously, we're going uh, to talk a little bit more about Unclassable soul, what's going on there? But fellas, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to listen to the show. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Go to the lionwithin.us. Check out a lot of the stuff that we are creating to try to serve others. We have a lot of free stuff out there, as well as our daily spiritual kickoff community. We have our full blown community and we have our summit leadership development guys. We have ways that we're serving you. We just need you to get get on it, okay? So jump over there to lionwithin.us. That is the quickest way that you can get engaged with us. And if you want to talk to us directly, support at thelionwithin.us is our email, okay? All right, fellas, we'll see you back here on Friday for our fun Friday. Get after it. Have a great day. And remember, keep unleashing the lion within.